Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the world's leading podcast for injectors and cosmetic businesses. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, an aesthetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend David Segal, an entrepreneur and an aesthetic business mentor. Each episode of IA showcases unfiltered conversations with guests from around the world. In a sometimes disjointed industry, IA aims to help educate and connect our global community to raise the bar for both our businesses and our patients. To further support and educate our listeners, we offer a range of additional resources under our IA Patreon subscription service. This caters for injectors and business owners of all levels and includes interactive live Zoom sessions, webinars, hints and tip videos, private chat groups and exciting future content to come. To subscribe to IA Patreon, head to www.insideaesthetics.com forward slash Patreon or click the link in our podcast description. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. It's Wednesday. Cheers, buddy. With the oh, gro- cheers. The Negronis the oh. are back in the building. Yay. They're back in the air. Is this, is this anti-aging, uh, Nicola, by the way? Is this good? Well, I think I said this to you last time that, um, you know, social interaction and things are, are all very prominent in long-lived yeah. communities. So we'll pass it under that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit of a creative license there, I think, but I'm, I'm happy to take that. That's great. Yeah. So we're joined by Dr. Nicola Conlon, all the way from sunny Newcastle in the UK. don't know if it is sunny. Not to be confused with sunny Newcastle in New South Wales, Australia. Exactly. Um, how are you, Nicola? Welcome to Inside Aesthetics. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited for this one. Yes, our pleasure. Can I ask you an honest question? Had you come across a podcast before you met Jake in Lon- in Newcastle? Well, where you guys, where did oh, you guys meet? I was in London. In London, sorry. Yeah. yeah, no, I hadn't. So I'm relatively new to the aesthetics field. Um, so I'm really still learning who everyone is. Mm. You know what the go-to um, media things are to to learn. Um, so I actually hadn't, um, I have to admit. <laughs> yeah. And so how did you guys actually meet? Because if you're not from the aesthetic space and Jake knows less about anti-aging than I do, how did you guys actually... It was a shout out to Dr. Stephen Land, ah. one of our patrons who is in Newcastle and he knows Nicola well. Right. And I believe he's an ambassador for Nicola's supplement that we may get onto. So when I sort of threw ideas around about, hey, how can we sort of, you know, who can we get on to talk about the basics of aging? Right. He was like, I know the woman for this. Oh, I thought you guys met as some kind of support group for being friends with Dr. Land and it was just, <laughs> you were just, you know. <laughs> Sorry, Stephen. <laughs> yeah. But no, Nicola took me for a very nice lunch at Selfridges. It was great. Beautiful. Yeah. So we're talking about anti-aging today and it's a topic that's been around for like, well, feels like a long time. I've been hearing about the promises of what's to come with anti-aging and how one day we're going to be able to switch off the aging gene and reverse it. And there's people traveling all over the world to sort of get different variations of anti-aging treatments, whether they be stem cell therapy and 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 things of that nature over in places like Panama and all these other areas of the world that sort of aren't governed by some of the hardcore regulatory bodies we have, and for very good reason in um, in our countries. Yeah. Um, but we're joined by an expert today. And I'm excited because it seems like in the last sort of few months, there's been a lot more noise coming out around anti-aging. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day with uh, Michio Kaku, who's a theoretical physicist, talking about what's happening with quantum computers and the role that they may able, be able to play in, in terms of speeding up um, all these types of re- this type of research, um, including anti-aging. So it's very exciting. So maybe let's start off with 
I still can't believe you took, you look too young to be a doctor, but tell us all about, tell us all about, obviously the treatments are already working. So this is great. So tell us all about your background and how you got into anti-aging and let's get into the questions because I've got so much to ask you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it wouldn't be very good if I, if I looked old <laughs> for what I do with it. Um, no, only joking. Um, so um, my background is I'm a scientist um, and I've come from a very academic background. So I'm not a medic, I'm a, a research scientist. So my background is actually literally, you know, working in the lab, growing cells, testing things on them, um, you know, that real hardcore basic level science. Um, and I guess within the world of academia, one thing that really annoyed me a bit was people just become so focused on one very particular area, like a single gene or, you know, a single um, disease or something. Um, and I just kind of felt like, you know, the, the human body is so complex. Um, how can we understand a bit more about how it all works together and how things are interacting? The other thing that I really wanted to do was find a way of trying to, you know, how could we get this science, cutting edge science out of labs and into the hands of people, mm -hmm. um, you know, who could benefit from it. So back in, would have been like 20, 2013, 2014, after my PhD, I decided it would be maybe a good idea to go into drug development. Um, maybe a bit naively, I thought that was a way that, you know, I could help as being part of the process of translating science into things that could benefit people. Um, so I actually ended up working on a, a really forward thinking project for that time, um, which I guess was almost 10 years ago now, which was developing drugs to slow aging. So I remember doing the job interview and them sort of saying, you know, this is what you're going to be doing. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so like, even within my area of scientific expertise, I hadn't really come across that. So it sounded pretty crazy. But actually, um, you know, when you really look into it, it does make perfect sense because aging is our biggest risk factor for all major diseases that we're currently trying to, you know, combat with, with drugs, rightly or wrongly. And um, the idea was that if you can just slow aging even a little bit at the cellular level, can you reduce the risk of the onset of, of multiple age-related diseases in one go. So back then I had this amazing opportunity to basically travel the world, go into all different scientific conferences, learning off the leaders in, in this field about what was really promising, like which areas of science looked really promising. Um, and then essentially coming back and reporting it back to the company and being like, okay, these are the areas that are promising. This is really good science and this is where we should focus our attention. Um, so yeah, that was, there was quite an exciting opportunity to be part of that, you know, really long before it all became mainstream and a lot more people had heard of it. Back then, if I'd have told anyone what my job was, they honestly looked at me like I was a lunatic. <laughs> yeah. You told me you got frustrated working in pharma though, because in their eyes, a lot of this stuff wasn't, uh, I don't know if you said the word monetizable, but that their target was different to, to how you saw it. Yeah. So two, two main things that I, I quickly realized, um, I, I didn't, didn't sort of fit with what I wanted to do first was that my idea of going into drug development was that, okay, we're going to get putting edge science out the labs into the hands of people. But actually the first thing was it 
takes about 10 to 12 years for the science to actually go through the whole drug development process to actually become a drug. So that wasn't a quick process. The other thing was that part of my job, I would literally get um, like a spreadsheet back from the lab when we'd sent molecules for testing. And it would be like, uh, you know, listed from one to a hundred of these molecules work amazingly at what we whatever we want them to do. And these ones at the bottom don't work at all. And quite often the things at the top of the list that worked really well were actually things that weren't drug molecules. So they were quite well-known molecules that um, perhaps were more like supplement, classified as supplement molecules or natural nutraceutical type molecules. Um, and because of that, drugs companies simply aren't interested in taking them forward because they can't patent and own them. Yeah. Um, so commercially, completely get it um, because, you know, you're not going to put several hundred million into developing something that you can't have the rights to own for at least a, a period of time. Um, so often we'd, we'd go after things that worked half as well and all the money would be put into them and all the research. But I was like, this is crazy. We've got things sitting there at the top of the list that are working amazingly, actually have already got great safety profiles, are already well-known, well-used, and are just not getting the research they deserve. Um, you know, they're literally getting pushed to one side. So I left that job in um, 2014. I found it... Um, sorry, not 2014, 2016. Um, and I founded my company, Nichido. Um, And the idea behind Nichido Laboratories is basically taking all these those things at the top of the list um, and developing them and testing them and getting them into products um, that can go into consumer markets, which is a lot quicker than waiting for drug development. Right. We've just got a whole other new podcast episode on starting your own research laboratory. That's that's <laughs> will bring you back for a business a business insight. Uh, yeah, that's episode, a good point. That, that's, that's amazing. So, what does your job day to day? I won't. We're going. We won't get into the technical details of starting a company. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. But what what does a what does a day look like in the life of of Dr. Nicola Connell? Like, what are you doing? Are you actually with the white lab coat on with the with the test tubes and the beakers and you know the big safety goggles? Like, take us through a day. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, at the moment, I'm not. So um, as the, you know, I'm the lead scientist, but also the CEO of the company. Um, And a huge part of what our company does is not only the science, but the education. Um, So a huge part of my role is obviously the day-to-day running of the company, but also the education. So doing things like this, um, you know, being able to raise the awareness of the science. Um, I absolutely love talking about science as you you're going to be finding out. Um, so a huge part of what I do is that I have a lab team that does a lot of the actual lab work, but you know, sometimes I, I do still go in the lab. Uh, I think it's very important to, you know, really stay engaged with, with what's happening in, in the actual research, because that is what we're translating into products. And I'm the one, you know, presenting the data, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I do work very closely with the lab team as well, although I'm not actually always in a white lab coat. <laughs> Although you might see me in some of my pictures in the lab coat. <laughs> um, if you're one of our listeners thinking, where's this one going? Oh, okay. Um, I, you know, I, I struggle with this topic because I know little about it. But what I do know is that what I'm going to call anti-aging medicine or regenerative medicine, or some people call it regenerative aesthetics, mm. because of course, us aestheticians who are working doing injectables and trying to keep people looking good, um, are you know there are some people, especially in Europe and America, they are now blending 
aesthetics with you know stuff like what Nicola is mm. is doing. So I don't know what to call that branch, but um, I'm going to refer to it as regenerative aesthetics for now. Well, I mean, to me, the obvious correlation is that. Well, let me ask you a question. What percentage of your job is dedicated to trying to reverse the signs of aging in the skin? Well, and the signs un- of aging, and the, all un- of it. And the underlying structures. Yeah, but yeah. We, but really, I mean, you can argue that some of the hyaluronic acid and sure. um, biostimulators are, are allowing the body to sort of heal and, and grow itself. But really, a lot of what we do is camouflaging. Sure. So I guess from my, when I, and Nicola, please jump in and, and comment. But from, from my perspective, I, I see that as you're treating a symptom. Mm-hmm. Whereas what Nicola is trying to achieve, and all the colleagues around the world who are trying to achieve a similar thing, like you know Dr. David Sinclair and and people like that, is they're trying to get to the root cause of the problem. Yeah, which exactly. is if you can stop people from aging, or you can slow it down or reverse it, then all of a sudden your job gets a lot easier because all you're then focusing on is beautification and not trying to battle with depleted structures under the skin, poor skin quality, you know thin skin, all these types of things that make your life hard, right? Because you're trying to achieve a beautiful outcome when you've got all these, a canvas that's so damaged and, and difficult to work with. Yeah. All of a sudden that becomes quite, quite, quite hard. But what's, what's your perspective, Nicola? I mean, I know you're not, you're not, you're not totally au fait with the aesthetic space, but do you see a direct correlation there as well between what these guys are trying to do and, and what you're trying to achieve? Yeah. And I think it, it hits on what you've both said in that, Fundamentally, you know, although lots of people don't like to use the word anti-aging, etc., you know, people come in and looking for aesthetic procedures. A lot of people, a high proportion, it is, you know, because they're feeling like they are looking older and, you know, they want to change something or they want to improve something. Um, but up until recently, you know, a lot of things that were available weren't actually fixing the real root cause of aging. You know, like you, you said, David, um, the 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 camouflage in it, the you know, um, trying to trying to fix what damage has already been done in whatever way that may be. So, regardless of what we want to call it, I think regenerative medicine is is what people seem to use. I think what it does present is a, such a huge opportunity to actually be able to fundamentally, you know, do what aesthetic practitioners have always said they're doing which is anti-aging but actually really turn back the clock um because for a long time we've never really understood what was causing aging inside um you know we can see all of the 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 things appearing the signs and symptoms of aging but trying to target the real root causes that are triggering those in the first place has never been understood very well but now we do actually understand what's going on and that presents a huge opportunity to really fix aging at the root cause um which is you know such a, a complementary thing to be using alongside all of the procedures that are currently available um and actually enhancing their efficacy uh, yeah. really yeah so maybe let's let's talk about what actually is the aging process from my layperson's understanding it's dna that is sort of every time it's sort of replicating or turning over it's it's damaged it's it's not the same as it was the time before there's a a slow decline in the replication process of the cells in your body which then leads to all of the aging intrinsically and extrinsically so is that sort of the basic science behind what's happening can you sort of make what i said sound smarter (laughs) professor No, it, it is. And that's that's part of it. And I think for a long time, that's the part 
that a lot of people, you know, who do know a bit about the science of aging um, will go back to and um, the DNA damage, etc. But there's so much more to it than that. Um, aging is actually very complicated. And perhaps one of the best ways that I like to explain it and get people to think about it, um, it is from what I would say is think about aging from the perspective of evolution. Okay. So as a human race, um, we have, you know, up until around 200 years ago, had lifespans that were probably about 40, you know, very lucky if, you know, you, you made it to your fifties, obviously there's always some outliers in that and people do live longer, but on average, our lifespan around 200 years ago was about age 40. And this is because, you know, we had poor sanitation, you would die of in childbirth, a tooth abscess, infection, things like that. Now, all of a sudden, we have gone in from a lifespan of age 40 to a lifespan of age around 80 in about 200 years. You know, obviously that's great. And we've had modern medicine that's helped with that and improved sanitation and all those things. But evolution does not happen that quick. So our bodies are essentially designed to be living these much shorter lives. We're not designed as, as a human and our biology to live till age 80. So in terms of evolution, this is like completely new territory because our evolution hasn't caught up. So our bodies are really designed to be good at being young, but not good at being old. Because why would evolution ever select any sort of biological mechanisms that would make us good at being old when we never reached old? Yeah. Right. So that's that's one way of like, you know, because a lot of people go, well, why, you know, why do we age? Is it like a program thing? Is it like something to stop there being too many people on the planet? You know, there's lots of different theories. But that is the sort of main way of really understanding it. And, you know, what this means is, for example, the, the DNA that you were talking about. So we are, as a, as a race, very fundamentally and crudely, we are designed to replicate our DNA, pass it on to the next generation, and that's our job done. You know, we're designed to reproduce. Um, and our, our bodies are almost designed by evolution as like a, a shell that protects our DNA and makes sure that it gets through to the next generation in good health and in, in one piece to, you know, pass on the germline. So our body puts a lot of effort into DNA repair when we're young because it's worth doing this to make sure we get to childbearing age in good quality, pass on the DNA, job done. The problem is this repair is really expensive in terms of energy. You know, it takes a lot of energy from the body to do this. So by the time we've got past childbearing age, our biology is kind of like, okay, we should have done our job now. We should have passed on the DNA. Um, let's turn down DNA repair because what's the point of keeping it going when we don't need to do it? Like biology should have done its job by now. So it starts getting turned down. And this is when you start to see, you know, DNA damage, the signs of age and things like that as you're getting older. And this obviously then manifests as the signs and symptoms of aging. And this is a, a theory which is probably the most understood and respected theory within aging, which is, is the disposable soma theory, which is basically your body's a shell to carry your DNA and, and get it through the, the next uh, generation. So, so you know, very simply, we get older and we age because 
biologically, we're just not designed to live this long. And a lot of our repair processes get turned down. Mm. Is it true that our cells have a limit to how many times they can replicate? And then yeah. I think it's about 50 times and then that's it. That's that's your lot. Yeah, that is true. So it's called replicative senescence. Um, I know we can probably go into senescence in a bit, <laughs> yeah. but no, it is true. Um, and it depends on the cell type. Some cells have capacity to keep replicating. Um, some don't. Fair yeah. enough. I've heard, I've heard Brett Weinstein talking about that stuff before. Are you familiar with him? Sorry, who? Uh, Brett Weinstein. He's an evolutionary bio- a biologist. Yes. yes. Stuff. Super interesting. Super interesting. Sorry, Jake. We're, That's all right. Oh, yeah. You can do your Joe Rogan bit. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> He's got his own podcast now, actually. Okay. Yeah, Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. I wanted to wheel us back just for one question about aesthetics. Like you mm. obviously go to aesthetic conferences and you deliver talks, maybe similar to this. I don't know what, what you say, but what, what's the reception of, you know, injectors who, who maybe aren't familiar with this field? Like what, what, what do they say? And, and how maybe have they thought about incorporating some of this you know, into their practice? So my first experience of an aesthetics conference was just over a year ago. Um, you know, the, I think the reason we wanted to move into this space is because we, we can see there's a huge opportunity here for aesthetic practitioners to harness the science and incorporate it in their practice. Mm-hmm. But the first conference I went to, I kind of got the feeling of when I was first in drug development and I'd be like, oh, this is what I do. And everyone would look at me and nod and go, oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> because it almost seems so far-fetched, you know, to to be to be true. A lot of what I talk about, I have to remember that many people haven't been exposed to the idea that you can reverse aging before. Um, So me just, you know, going along and going, oh, do you know we can reverse the age of skin cells like we do within the lab? Uh, We've done it in clinical trials. A lot of people are like, well, that sounds great, but I think almost think it sounds too good to be true. Um, So, you know, when you say like, what, what sort of things do I talk about? A lot of it's just been very educational in terms of like, you know, this, this, um, the aesthetics arena is really looking at aging on the outside, but have you ever stopped to really think and understand what's going on on the inside, um, yeah. and why we're aging and fundamentally what's causing all of the different, um, effects that, that you're trying to treat with injectables, etc. Um, and you know what, actually uh, it's really changed now. So from a year ago of people being like, this is so far removed from what we do. We now, you know, I'm seeing now in clinics really adopting this and starting to talk about cellular aging and cellular health and how it fits in and aging from the inside and, you know, doing, doing things from, from the cellular level. And so for me, I think that's a huge, you know, I'm I'm quite proud of that. Um, so I, hopefully we can spread the word a bit more and, and, you know, educate people on, on how it's, it's working at the cellular level. This really reminds me of one of our old school podcasts. Yeah, it's great. The wellness ones. Yeah. Yeah. I'm loving it. Sorry, carry on. Great. (laughs) So where, where are we at at the moment? So, because it wasn't too long ago, it sounded like it was, we were close with a few things, but it was still very far away. There's all the sort of regulatory red tape that would mean these things take a long time to get through, as you sort of alluded to earlier in our discussion. You know, this sort of stuff takes a, takes a lot of time and money. And so 
Can you give us just maybe a snapshot of, of where we are in the development and, and how far away are we from these products being available to, I guess, everyday regular people or, you know, Jake and I? Mm. So, because AI needs to go on forever. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think if you look at drug development, um, I think definitely within our lifetimes, we'll take a drug that will slow our rate of aging. Um, I think that's a definite. It's if I you know put a put a number on it, it's still you know looking more like your ten years kind of. Plus, the issue there is that in order to have a drug that um, is t- you know targeting aging, um, a drug can only target a disease, and aging is not classified as a disease. So it's very difficult of how you design clinical trials to look and see if something's actually truly affecting aging. Um, so the sort of way around that is to develop drugs that are targeting age-related diseases and measuring, can you slow the onset of age-related diseases? So for example, take you know people that are over the age of 60 who have one chronic age-related disease and see if you can slow down the appearance of the next um, chronic age-related disease. Um, so in terms of the drug side, I think that's still got a lot that needs ironing out and actually, you know, how do you test it, et cetera. Um, but it will come. But, you know, with the other side, which is is where I'm really looking at, is there are things already out there that we know are safe and well tolerated um, that can be um, commercialized and, and put into products that consumers can use. Um and, you know, people say, well, how, how do you test it? Like, what are we measuring? And I think, you know, one of the, the key sort of ideas to think about is is, um, is something called health span. Is that a, a term that you guys have come across in, in your I've field? I've heard about it, but I'm probably... Pass. Okay. No, pass. I haven't. Pass. No. Yeah, so... You know, a lot of people when you when you talk about drugs to slow aging or slowing aging, they'll t- they'll just think about lifespan. They'll think about, well, why would I want to do that? Why would I want to live longer? Why would I want to, you know, live longer and be in a care home for longer? And that's the sort of things that immediately come to people's minds. Um, but a lot of the work that this scientific field does is all about health span, and that's the proportion of your lifespan that you're actually going to be living in good health. So at the minute, um, the stats for the UK is like for a woman in the UK, we're expected to live around 83 years, but a health span is actually only till age 64. So that's a huge chunk of our life that we're expected to not be in good health. So the idea is how can we compress that phase at the end of our lives so that we can live these, these long lifespans that we now have, but in good health. So a, a lot of it is is about improving health. And so it's not just aesthetic look. It's not just, you know, how our appearance is. It's really this opportunity to to improve the our health and the way that we feel, uh, you know, and, and naturally that also has an improvement on, on how we look as well. Yeah. Um, I reckon there's going to be a lot of people kind of screaming their radios or phones or whatever <laughs> they're listening to the podcast on thinking, well, hold on, you've kind of dangled this idea of treatments or supplements or things that we can do, but what is it? Yeah. So, you know, I know that um, NAD plus or NAD is a is a big thing in, in your supplement. It's a big thing in the anti-aging yeah. sort of um, strategy to try and improve how our bodies function. But maybe you could just sort of do an NAD 101 to explain its link into 
I guess, everything and then into your supplement because it will sort of help piece the two things together, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what what one of the really promising things that you know is being researched within this um the science of aging is a molecule called NAD. Um now there's you know thousands of of scientific peer-reviewed papers now on this topic and essentially NAD is a, it's a natural molecule. It's found in every single cell in our bodies. And it is really important for two things. It's important for energy production. So taking the food that we eat and converting it into the energy that our cells um, actually need to function. And it's also important in repair. So as a general rule of thumb, if you have high levels of NAD, it means you've got lots of energy production and you've got lots of repair going on. And if NAD is low, you get the opposite. Energy goes down, repair goes down, you get damage and the sort of signs and symptoms associated with aging. Mm. So the link with aging is that it's been found in pretty much every cell, every tissue, every species that NAD seems to decline with age. Now in humans, it's estimated that it halves every 20 years and that's from birth. So even by the time, you know, you're 20, you've lost half your NAD store. Then by the time you're 40, this is halved again and then so on and so on. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it is actually terrifying when you think of how important it is. So they, they sort of say that, you know, if you didn't have any NAD in your body, you'd be dead in 30 seconds because it's so critical to our energy production process. So it is quite scary that it it declines so much. So scientists kind of said, okay, we've got this really important molecule. You know, when it declines, it it really reduces health span and it switches down repair, in particular DNA repair and causes all these problems associated with aging. So why don't we just not let that happen. Why don't we find ways to boost it and, you know, keep um, NAD levels maintained as we get older? Um, So that's what they did and found actually, you know, you can boost NAD. And when you do increase it, you get a huge range of benefits and everything from increased energy production all the way through to improve cognitive function and reduction in metabolic diseases, um, improved insulin sensitivity, better repair of DNA, like literally so many different things, which is again, why some of these things sounds too good to be true. But scientifically, when you think about it, NAD is in every single cell in your body. And it's so critical for repair and energy production that it's not a surprise that if you can top it back up to youthful levels, that you do have such a a broad range of effects. So this is like a really, you know, exciting area within within the field of of aging and more importantly, ways to target aging. And NAD, I mean, how much have you guys come across it in your fields? Because some people have heard of it, but most people haven't. I've had a I've had a couple of NAD infusions in the past. Okay. Um, they're very hard, very heavy on my wallet. Um, very, <laughs> very expensive, and it was quite, it was quite like a, a weird thing because it sort of, if it was, it was quite an unusual experience having the infusion because it got like this sort of rush that sort of sort of permeates through your body. Um, but like, I mean, I didn't notice much afterward. I'm, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to be expecting. I, I assume it's sort of something that you just sort of is, is cumulative over time, and it, as you said, it sort of 
slowing down the aging process. And so I don't, I wasn't sure what to expect. I think the consultation that I had probably wasn't too good because I wasn't, I just sort of read a bit about it online and thought, this sounds good. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll give it a go. So, I mean, what, what should people normally experience after the treatment and, and sort of what does a, an effective sort of protocol look like? I know you can get it in tablet form. I know you can still get it in fusions. So maybe can we just talk about the practical applications of it a, a little bit and then maybe even financially, what does it sort of look like for the, for the, for the everyday person in terms of uh, cost for like a, a, maintenance route, a maintenance routine or dosage? Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, there's multiple different ways that people are now using to try and boost their NAD levels. Um, and as with any new science, it's new. So at the start, people don't fully understand what the best ways are to try and address these issues. So initially, a lot of people were, okay, if NAD has gone down, let's just, you know, take more NAD, inject more NAD, infuse more NAD, um, and hopefully that'll fix the issue. What we now know is actually NAD is, is a big molecule. It's also a very unstable molecule. So firstly, that means you, you can't put pure NAD in a pill and take it orally. That just doesn't work. Um, secondly, what it means is when you are doing things like infusions or injections, yes, you're getting around the oral absorption problem. But the one big thing you're not getting around is that NAD provides much of its action inside the cell. So by putting it into the blood or into the muscle or whatever, you're not actually getting it inside of the cells. And because NAD is big and charged, it can't just pass through into the cells. So it has to require on special little channels to let it in. And currently it's only known that it can pass in this way into your heart um, and some neuron cells. The rest of the body, it, it doesn't get in. It actually has to be broken down Um, and then um, absorbed in a different way. So I think one of the reasons, I mean, did you feel a bit weird when you had the IV infusion? Like, was it quite difficult? Heart palpitation, someone was sitting on my chest. I was going to go into some sort of cardiac arrest. Yeah, (laughs) and you paid for it. Yeah, it's not pleasant. No, it was a bit several times. It was a bit full on and like, like, you know, I sort of got left in a room and they came back (laughs) and checked on me like 10 minutes. I'm thinking, are you all right? I'm not too sure. (laughs) Am I supposed to feel like I'm dying? (laughs) This anti-aging thing doesn't seem like it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And and that is what most people experience with these NAD IVs. And that is the reason is that you're getting a huge infusion of something that simply can't get into the cells. The cells it can get into are like the heart cells, which is why you're getting the palpitations because, you know, all of a sudden it's going in. So there are some benefits of having an IV, um, particularly like neuronal um, cognitive degeneration, things like that, because we do know it, it can get in there. But if you want, if you want it to target the whole body, doing it that way isn't, isn't the way forward. Um, so then the next thing was, okay, well, um, if NAD is too big to get into the cells, then why don't we take the raw material or the precursors that the body uses to make NAD? So this is where things like NR and NMN come in. Um, and if anybody Googles NAD, these are the sort of first things that'll pop up NR, NMN, and they're basically, um, like the raw material the body uses to make NAD. So uh, the idea here was that if NAD is in short supply, give the body more of the raw material and hopefully it'll make more. So these compounds were being put into supplements. Um, Again, you know, became very popular. um, But 
what we now know is one of the main reasons why NAD declines is because one of the main enzymes in our cell that actually takes all this raw material and converts it into the, the active NAD form declines with age. So this is like if you've got a factory that's got all its machines broken and you're trying to increase production, if you just go order more raw material and, you know, hopefully we'll get more produce, but don't fix the machines. That's exactly the same concept. So what we now know is the best way to address NAD decline is to actually fix the root cause. It's to switch back on the enzyme in our cells that makes NAD. Right. Okay. And how do we do that? Yeah. So <laughs> don't leave it hanging. We need to know. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that, that is exactly the huge area of research that oh, we've been doing okay. in Cheeto you know, actually developing something that fixes the root causes of NAD decline um, and is able to switch back on natural NAD production because our bodies are really good at producing NAD when we're young. It just gets turned off as we get older. So it's all about how do you switch that back on? And it's a much more natural and sustainable way to to do it. What, this is like a basic question. Why does the NAD decline as you age? What is happening? Why is the enzyme disappearing? So there's a, there's a couple of things going on. One of the, the major things is that some of the other pathways that would activate and switch on this enzyme start to get turned off and also chronic inflammation. So we know that chronic inflammation as we get older actually causes, um, it, it basically eats a lot of our NAD up, if for want of a better way to describe it. Um, and combined with the fact that our bodies aren't producing it as much it's like the perfect storm the demand goes up the production goes down and you get this this huge decline in nad um so anyone that's got nad supplements in their cupboard throw them in the bin is that is that is that what you're saying no you've... yeah because i can pretty much guarantee there will be no nad in those capsules <laughs> right okay if we can't eat nad and we can't mm -hmm. inject nad and we can't sit there with an iv what does your product do nochido because you know, you gave me a bottle when, when I met you and thank you very much again. Thanks for getting me one. And, and I showed my wife because, you know, she's probably more into this or, or knows more than I do. And she was like, oh, there's no NAD in here. Um, yeah. But now you've just explained exactly why there's no NAD in there. So what is Nutido, I guess, is my question. And how does that counteract this? Okay. Yeah. So, so Nutido is kind of what we would describe as a second generation NAD booster. So, you know, the first ones were putting pure NAD in, which we know doesn't work. And they were putting the precursors in, which we know will get you so far, but it's not addressing the root cause of the problem. Nichido is basically taking the next step up. So not only does it have a precursor in there, which is the raw material, but it also has a range of other ingredients that are specifically designed to address the root causes of NAD decline. So we have ingredients in there that are actually reducing um, the chronic inflammation that wastes NAD, so inhibiting that wasteful process, but then also a number of different active ingredients in there that are actually switching back on that NAD production pathway in the body. So restoring that actual enzyme, the enzyme is called NAMPT, um, not that anyone's interested, 
But that is the name of the enzyme that you absolutely need to switch back on because that is what makes all our NAD when we're young and keeps it at youthful levels. So we basically wanted to design a supplement that that really worked to, to reduce NAD wastage, but also switch back on production. Um, and also that was, you know, clinically proven to work. So unlike a lot of supplements out there, we've actually done a double-blinded placebo-controlled study on it. Um, because, you know, my passion is, is the science and how do we prove that what we're putting into products is actually working. So we, we did that trial and actually, you know, demonstrated that the supplement does indeed boost NAD levels. And it actually does this by switching on this enzyme. So we measured the levels of the enzyme in the cells of all these people that were on our, our trial. And you can literally see um, the levels of the enzyme going up um, after 28 days of using it. Wow. And, and what sort of benefits are people noticing? I guess it's going to differ from person to person depending on their age and their base level of health. But what do you sort of start to notice within that sort of, let's say, one to two month period and then sort of longer term? So the the top thing by far is energy, um, which again is unsurprising given the role NAD plays. Um, and, you know, a lot of people will say as they get older, they just don't have the energy, whether that's in terms of like, you know, they just can't be bothered. They don't have the stamina when it comes to being in the gym or they, you know, take much longer to recover from things. Um, so the, the biggest thing that we see is improvement in energy. Um, so that's physical energy. The second biggest thing that we see is improvements to cognitive um, energy. So we know NAD plays a, a critical role in um, mitochondrial function. So your mitochondria are the little energy powerhouses in your cells. Um, and we know the brain needs a huge amount of energy, but unfortunately production and goes down as we get older. So we see a lot of people reporting that um, they get major improvements to cognitive function, in particularly a reduction in brain fog. Um, and, and we see this a lot in, in menopausal women as well. Um, so those things in some people can happen really quite quickly. Um, we know from our clinical study that NAD, um, increases after just seven days uh, of using the supplement. Um, but you know, people will know some of our customers will say, we notice if we forget to take it, um, because the, the, you know, the effect is so great. In other people, generally more healthier people, people that, you know, really look after themselves, it, it may be more subtle. Um, so they're the sort of really immediate things. I think starting to go a couple of months down the line, the huge benefits are hair, skin and nails. So the amount of people that like our customers and not just women, like men as well, going oh my goodness, you're costing me a fortune in barber's trips because my hair is just <laughs> is just growing crazy. And um, nails, we always joke the Nichido nails because, you know, people go, look at my nails. These are real. Look how long they are and they're so strong. And I think for a lot of people, that's when the penny drops and the belief starts because they're like, wow, if this is doing this to my hair, skin and nails, then it must be doing something really good inside because the body you know, puts the, the priority is not your hair, skin and nails. They only become nice when the rest of you is functioning well at a cellular level. Mm. And beyond that, would you potentially theoretically see 
improvements in sort of overall health, like potentially reduction in, in chronic disease and, and things that just happen as we degenerate <laughs> over the years? Yeah. So as as a supplement, a dietary supplement, we are not allowed to talk about anything to do with diseases, um, sure. you know, chronic disease. But um, we get a lot of reports from customers spontaneously saying how it's really improved a lot of different chronic conditions that they've had. Um, you know, I, I can't go into specifics about the supplement, but let's just say, you know, we know NAD is very good for things like um, cognitive decline, Alzheimer's, um, dementia, um, metabolic syndrome, fatty liver, blood pressure, all sorts of things like that. People that boost their NAD levels and have had chronic issues do seem to respond really well. Um, and, you know, we've had cases of, of people giving it to their elderly parents um, people, um, saying, you know, they've just had their bloods back from the doctors and, you know, they've, they can't understand how they've suddenly become, um, so good. So for, for me, that makes me so happy because my whole aim was how do we get this product or this science into the hands of people that can benefit from it? You know, it doesn't need to be a drug. I always say to people, the body doesn't know the difference between what is a drug, what is a nutrient and what is a supplement. You know, it, it's a, it's regulatory bodies that have classified those on lists, but they all have an equally strong physiological effect in the body if used in the right doses, the right combinations. Um, so, so yeah. So I, I guess, you know, we're talking about disease and, and things here. Um, and this is the aesthetics podcast. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, sure. But you know, wouldn't it be great if there's something that you can be using that's not only helping people look better, but is actually improving the health at the same time? Absolutely. Can I pin you down on a word? You said chronic inflammation, and I know this is a big thing um, in biochemistry and functional medicine and anti-aging and many other sort of specialties. But us as traditional doctors, when we go to medical school, we think of inflammation as, you know, you, you bang your thumb with a hammer and you get a big mm -hmm. sore thumb. That is what yeah. I understand as inflammation. So what do you mean by inflammation? How are you measuring that? Because it seems to be that NAD is, you know, hugely powerful in improving some of this inflammation that you're talking about. But what do you mean? Yeah. So um, maybe go back a step. So when I'm talking about inflammation and I'm talking about, you know, different things that are causing aging, what we now know is that there are 12 key things that go wrong at a cellular level to cause the aging process. And these are referred to as, as the hallmarks of aging. And as scientists, we, you know, this is what has really changed. We now understand what these 12 different things are that we need to be targeting in the cells um, to in, improve the aging process. And one of these hallmarks of aging is chronic inflammation. Um, you know, we haven't got time to go into all of them, but because you picked this one, let's, let's really dig into this one. So what we know is that inflammation is obviously a good thing uh, when we bang our thumb or whatever. Um, you know, we need that acute um, reaction to be able to, to get the right cells and the right repair factors and things um, to where we need it. But what we now know is that as we get older, we start to get inflammation that isn't appropriate. So actually, 
inflammation and inflammatory processes are actually getting switched on when we haven't banged our thumb with a hammer. They're just chronically smoldering away in the background. And inflammation is something that you don't want to be switched on all the time. You only want it to happen when it is appropriate because it's one of those things that can actually cause damage if it's not used in, in the right circumstance. So if you're to take you know, a, a group of people and measure background inflammation in a young, healthy person, you'll not be able to find much um, many sort of factors, uh, cytokines, they're called, that are associated with inflammation because they're all turned off. If you measure, you know, the, the the same tests in a you know an older person, you'll find that you've got inflammatory cytokines like IL six, IL eight there when they're not supposed to be there, when there's no need for them to be there, um, and. What the link actually here with NAD is that these inflammatory processes switch on pathways that use up NAD. So okay. inflammation basically is just consuming NAD unnecessarily. So that's kind of where inflammation comes into it. That makes sense. You got that? You got it. You got it. You got it, Doc. <laughs> Just getting back to to your supplement. So, what what does a was a routine look like for people? Like, is it like a tablet every day? Is it affordable for for people? Like, I guess that's a that's a sort of a bit of a loaded question because what is affordable? But yeah, I guess yeah. you kind of understand what I'm trying to say. Is it something that's within reach to the average person? Yeah. So, in terms of the dosage. It's actually three capsules. So it's a, a capsule format um, in, in the morning, say with, with your breakfast or whatever, and then three capsules later on in the day. So it's it's six capsules a day, which, you know, some people go, oh, that's quite a lot. Um, but we know that's the amount of active ingredients that actually works and has been clinically tested as opposed to a lot of supplements that will say, oh, this specific ingredient works, but then put the tiniest dose in a capsule that's never been clinically proven. Um, so it's it's capsule format. Um, so the cost is in in, in UK pounds is, is £65 for a month supply. Um, so it's not the most expensive, not the cheapest. Um, you know, we've tried to develop it and get it out there at a, a price that is relatively accessible and also bearing in mind the, the amount of research uh, that's actually gone into it. Um, so yeah. Okay. Doing so. some mental math sets, probably three months supply for one of your IVs rough, <laughs> roughly. <laughs> so at 65 pounds, what's the pound? Is it about, is it uh, double? It's 1.9 now. Let's call two. it two. Yeah. It's so about $120 a month. That's, that's, that's good. Well, considering how much people might spend at the pub uh, on a Friday. Exactly. Or Negronis. On a well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's an interesting point. So NAD, alcohol depletes NAD. Um, so one of the other things that we, we all get a lot of people saying really helps with the hangovers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What about things like metformin? I know that uh, that's sort of quite a popular drug at the moment. Um, I understand it's fairly benign. It's been around for a long time. It's not got a patent on it anymore so it's very affordable for people so what do you know about that i've heard david sinclair talking about i know a few people that are on it what do you know about it and is that something that's a worthwhile sort of a worthwhile supplement or drug for people to be considering if they're interested in anti-aging and what is it as well for yeah. people who don't sorry know? yeah yeah 
Yeah. So, so metformin is, as you said, it's a drug that's, you know, been around for forever. It's out of patent life. So that means it must have been around for more than 20 years. Um, and it's a drug that's normally given to people with diabetes, um, to help control glucose levels. And the reason that it sort of came on the radar within the, the anti-aging space is because, um, what was found was that in you know really long-term studies of people taking this drug for diabetes that these people just didn't seem to get cancer so which is really unusual because if you think about it diabetics on you know a glowing picture of health and you know many people are put on this for type 2 diabetes which means it's usually um because of the lifestyle that they've acquired the diabetes and they're simply not that healthy um population so really interesting that they just weren't, you know, getting cancer. Um, so it started to look at, okay, what what's actually happening um, uh, with this drug? And, you know, to cut a very complicated story short, it seems that metformin acts on multiple different pathways in the body um, that seem to switch on processes that, that help with improving health span and longevity. Um, it seems to act on the, the mitochondria um, so another hallmark of aging is is called mit- mitochondrial dysfunction. So one of these 12 things that goes wrong in our cells. Um, basically, when our mitochondria don't function as well, um, the, the little power plants and, you know, producing the energy, um, they almost start to give off pollution <laughs> uh, of oxidative stress, like a, 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 an old power station would, I guess. And um, when you get this mitochondrial dysfunction, it causes a lot of other damage, et cetera, in like DNA damage that can cause cancer. So metformin seems to act on the mitochondria to kind of stop that dysfunction. So that's why there's been a lot of excitement, um, you know, as well, because this is something that's cheap. It's something that's got a really good safety profile because I guess, you know, one of the, the considerations with a drug that um, slows aging is that it would be given to healthy people in the aim to prevent disease. Therefore, whatever you give to someone when they're healthy, you don't want to be having side effects. So you don't want to be inadvertently causing other issues, which obviously a lot of drugs do. So metformin was really interesting for this reason. So a lot of people who follow this space um, have been, you know, started taking it as like a preventative medicine type type drug um and yeah there's there's a couple of issues maybe has come up that it, it may not be it may cause issues um with male fertility in terms of like men shouldn't be taking it if they're, they're trying to conceive um so i think there's still some unknown things yeah. surrounding metformin at the moment because it slows the production of uh igf1 which i think has mm. been sort of linked to potential cancerous issues in the past so yeah yeah um sorry speaking of side effects i'm sorry i we should have pressed you on on your your supplement nichito is there any any sort of side effects with that at all that we should sort of let people know about or is it too good to be true <laughs> so the only thing is that we recommend taking with food sometimes yep. if people take all those capsules on an empty stomach um especially with such a high level of active ingredients it can make them feel a bit sick um yep. but taking it with food completely eliminates that but there's no, you know, within our clinical trial, our customers, we've had nothing, no common adverse events. Obviously, some people 
uh, are sensitive to various ingredients and they should check the label to make sure that none of the ingredients in there are going to cause an issue for them. Um, but yeah, otherwise there's, you know, they're all safe. We've done the safety testing on them. Um, and they're all molecules that are, have been approved as supplements for a long time and have very good known toxicology and safety profiles. Sure. And that's great. And, and no contraindications for anyone with any sort of illnesses or sort of pre-existing conditions. No, you know, the thing about, we always say, you know, if you're taking a load of different drugs or you've got different illnesses to check with your doctor, sure. you can't possibly test it for every single sure. different combination of things, but nothing that's that's known. Sure. Can, can I press you on the clinical trial you did? Can you just sort of tell us how many people were in it and... yeah. You know, any people dropped out for any particular reason? Just yeah, you know, just sort of tell us the basics of the trial. Yeah, so it was a 28 person. It was double-blinded, placebo-controlled crossover. So for, for anyone that's not familiar with, with that, basically neither the participants nor the people that were running the trial or analysed in the trial knew which was the real supplement and which was the placebo. Um, a crossover study basically means that every single person took both the placebo and the real thing, um, which is is the best type of trial design. Um, but a lot of people or, or trial organizers don't actually do that. What usually happens is they'll say, take a group of 28 people and split it into two lots of 14. Uh, 14 people would take the real thing and 14 take the placebo. And that's problematic because it means you're measuring the physiology of two separate groups of people when comparing the placebo with the, the real thing. So a crossover basically means um, the you know every single person um, for a month uh, or 28 days um, took the placebo, then had a washout phase, and then took the real thing. Um, half of them did it in that order, and the other half took the real thing first, then had a washout, then did the placebo. Yeah. So that's the trial design. Uh, we had a couple of dropouts, but that was not due to any anything adverse. It was just you know people missing appointments, so we couldn't use um, use any of the the, the data. Um, what we did was we we took blood samples, um, and they in the blood samples we measured levels of NAD. We measured levels of the enzyme that produces. Um, NAD, the, the one that declines with age. We measured levels of a longevity protein called SIRT1, the, one of the sirtuins. I don't know if either of you have come across that in your, your studies. Um, but that's that's a really another really exciting area that maybe we could go into. Curcumin or curcumin? Is that, is that what you said? Sirtuins, oh. uh, S-I-R-T, SIRT1. Mm. This is something that if you've listened to David Sinclair, he talks about a lot. Um, it's it's a particular um, gene or a protein uh, in the body that um, they've done so many experiments on. And it basically, when you turn down this gene, um, it reduces lifespan and health span. And when you turn up the gene, um, it, it basically improves health span um, and longevity. So it's something that's that's been very exciting. The reason that we measured it is because what we know um, is that the sirtuins or these longevity proteins need NAD to perform their functions. So, you know, one of the main benefits or the main ways NAD has such a vast array of effects is by switching on these longevity genes, which is why we measured them in the trial. So we we proved it, it boosted levels of, of SIRT1, this particularly interesting gene. 
Um, we measured inflammatory cytokines um, and showed they went down. Um, we also measured glycation. So mm. this is obviously something that's really interesting when it comes to skin aging. Um, glycation is the, the cross-linking of proteins, causing them to stiffen. Um, you know, this is one of the reasons we get a, a reduction in, in functional collagen and, and stiffening of elastin. Um, and we found it, it reduced glycation um, in these people as well. The other interesting thing that we added on was a measure of biological age. Is that something that you're familiar with? Yes, yes, yes. Have, it, have either of you done a biological no. age test? No, no. I, I think I'm, David would be. I'm me. mentally 14, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, got, so my understanding is you've got your age according to your birth certificate and then you've got your biological age, which is based on markers with the blood tests and whatever other tests they run and looking at what your body actual age is, not what your birth certificate says that you are. Is that yeah. what we're talking about? That's exactly, that's exactly it. So the interesting thing is people's biological age doesn't always seem to match up to the chronological age, you know? So this is why when you see someone and you're like, uh, you know, they're age 40 or whatever, and you go, oh, they, you know, they don't look 40. They look much older. When you measure the biological age, you'd be, but you, you know, that actually the, the biological age. So the rate at which they are aging on the inside is much worse. Yeah. You know, alternatively, you can have people that are, you know, much younger biologically, which is obviously good because it, it shows us that they're, they're aging slower on the inside. And, you know, it's, it's, whilst this is really exciting, you know, it's a, it's a way to, to measure it for us as scientists, what this really showed us, um, for the first time was that there was something at a cellular level that was either speeding up or slowing down aging. Um, and you know, this is one of the first realizations within the field that because there's this discrepancy between chronological and biological age, there's some way of speeding it up or slowing it down. We just needed to work out what that was. Yeah. I mean, you, you see these things happen sometimes in life. Someone has a, a tragic event that happens in their life, something like they lose a, a spouse or you know, a, a parent or a child, and you just almost instantly, that person ages 10 years within, within 12 months. And the only thing that's happened is this traumatic event that's occurred in their life. So you see, I've seen this happen in, you know, in friends and family and you just go, this is actually real stress and these sorts of a, it sort of cascading effects that, that come from this sort of event are very real in terms of how your body is aging and how you present to the world. Yeah. And it's a good example of how this, you know, dove does dovetail a bit back yeah. to aesthetics because yeah. if you're not working on your cellular pathways, your energy, and of course, diet, stress, exercise, UV exposure, all the rest of it, you will externally age. It's just, it's going to happen. Yeah. And, and Nicola mentioned the um, glycation of the skin, you know, that's something that we're looking at, you know, every yeah. day as injectors. Yeah, And yet this is, I guess it's almost like a a marker of what's happening on the inside. Yeah. So, you know, that that's how I would relate this whole episode together with aesthetics, but yeah. 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 I mean, it's from my perspective, it's multifaceted. When you look at the food we eat these days, how depleted it is of, of nutrients. We look at the stressful lives, people not sleeping as well, eating foods that, you know, cooked in certain oils that sort of might sort of lead towards glycation, oxida oxidation, um, pollution in the air, like, <laughs> 
lack of sleep. So all these things, these lifestyle choices, or not even choices, just factors that are out there and impacting our lives on a daily basis make a big impact on our health and the way that we look. I mean, one of the challenges that I can see if some of these uh, technologies and and strategies come into our clinics on a day-to-day basis, you know, we can sort of pay for a test or whatever, is that our patients even struggle to, you know, they want to do their Botox and filler, but they kind of ignore the skin. Mm. To them, it's kind of like, oh, it's, it's kind of uh, not as interesting as, you know, the face. So to communicate to people about what's going on in their body, it's a bit like smokers who pretend that, you know, nothing's happening because <laughs> they can't see the inside of their body. Yeah. How 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 do you communicate that to what to your patients or to people who are maybe not into this to sort of get them excited about it and and maybe you know maybe you could do a yearly biological age to sort of see if it's working that that would be a fun thing to do and maybe a tangible thing for people. Yeah, I think there's a lot of education to to be done um, for a long time. Like you say, people have just ignored the internal things because nobody's really understood them. Um, but now what, you know, a huge part of what I focus my education on is really getting people to understand that actually everything, like every single thing to do with aging starts in the cell. Like it doesn't start on the skin. It doesn't start in how we feel. It starts at the cellular level. And now we know what can be done to actually address that. And when you say, how, you know, how do we, how do we get a a patient to, to get on board with it? There is nothing more powerful than doing a biological age test and telling that person you are 10 years older on the inside. Like, you know, we, I, I've done it with a, with a lot of different people and the, you know, that really does hit home because you can't ignore it anymore. You know, you can't just be like mm, naive to it and it'll be fine. Actually, when you get the the hard numbers and go, wow, you know, like I'm 30 or whatever, and this is telling me like the rate I'm going, I'm like age 40 on the inside. Actually, I really need to do something with this. And this is where these sorts of tests that are now available to clinics and consumers are, are really helpful because it also allows to track the progress of what you otherwise can't see happening. So, you know, like NAD, people say, well, I think you said when you did your NADIV, you were like, oh, you just expect that it's somehow doing something beneficial, but having a way to actually measure that and to see it's actually working it is is helping to keep you know patients and consumers on board and for that reason that's why in a clinical trial you know we actually did a biological age test on all the participants um at the start and at the end and f- through the placebo phase we didn't find any change but through the the phase of taking um the supplement we found that it reversed biological age by 1.26 years in 28 days so, you know, when you see that kind of data and are like, okay, so you can almost work it out. So if I start taking the supplement and, you know, hopefully I can reverse my biological age and, you know, we did see that happening. So next time we do a podcast, Nicola, I'll be a fetus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll start taking your product tomorrow. Let's see how we go. <laughs> how do you do the biological age? Like, is it um, like a cheek swab or what, what do you do? It's a... A finger prick blood test. Um, so the one we we use, there's a couple of different kits and, and ones that are available. I'm not sure what's available over in Australia, but the one we use, finger prick blood test sent away 
you get your results. Um, it works. There's, there's two main ways that these work. One measures um, something called epigenetic age. Um, so if you've got all of the genes in your body, they're all the same in every single cell. But epigenetics is like the pattern of which genes are switched on and off. And what we know is that young people have a different pattern of genes switched on than older people, and it changes in a really predictable way. So you can take the blood and the cells from someone and look at their pattern of gene expression and work out their biological age. Another way of measuring it, and this is the one we used in our, our trial, is something called glycan age. Now, this takes the immune cells. And it looks at the patterns of, of what are called glycans, which are little sugar molecules that are stuck on, on, on the um, immune cells. And again, they change in pattern as you get older. So you can really reliably actually measure the, the rate at which you're aging by looking at the shift in the pattern of these molecules. Wow. So let's, let's talk about some of the other things that people do. So you've got like evidence supporting... Uh, like things like saunas, cold plunges. Um, what do you think about all those those things that people people do to sort of try and what do you call it? it's almost like biohacking? Um, I think it's sort of referred to. What are your thoughts on those? And are there other things that you know of that that people can do to sort of try and sort of hack their age and and sort of slow things down or even potentially reverse them? Yes. So I think the first thing to point out is actually. When it comes to biological age and reversing biological age, 80% of it is actually a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So you, you really can't be blaming, oh, I've got bad genes and it's my genetics. You know, it's actually lifestyle. And a lot of the things that have been shown to have a real impact on aging and biological age are almost like the pretty boring things like, you know, your, your diet, your exercise, your stress. Um, they really do have an impact. So for example, when it, when it comes to diet, um, we know that a diet that's inflammatory, so high in sugar, massively increases biological age. We know that a diet that is rich in um, large, uh, like a large variety of plant material, um, so eating 30 different types of plants um, a week um, is actually incredibly beneficial. And this doesn't mean you need to be vegan and um, you can still eat meat, but having that wide variety of, of plant material seems to really reverse biological age, probably due to the fact that you're getting a huge dose of all sorts of different polyphenols and flavanols and you know all the other good stuff that that plants have in them um which i might add were a lot of the molecules that would come out time and time again at the top of our lists in drug development um so so diet's a big thing and then not only what you eat but when you eat it so obviously fasting intermittent fasting they've become very popular um, and rightly so uh, and this the way that that impacts aging is because Again, you need to think of it in evolutionary terms. So we have not been designed to be eating breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, um, even a meal, you know, supper, whatever, um, which is what we do in our, our modern lifestyles and also sitting down all the time. Um, and this means that um, our bodies are constantly getting nutrients. Now, we actually have pathways in our body, like repair pathways that only ever get activated when we're in a state of starvation or fasting. 
So the idea is, is that you can actually, um, you know, extend, say, the period between your evening meal and your breakfast. Um, you can actually activate some of these beneficial pathways that will switch on a lot of repair processes because this goes back to when we were, you know, hunter gatherers and we really didn't know when our next meal was coming. Evolution had to design things within ourselves to make sure that we could survive that period of stress. So these beneficial pathways that repair and recycle only get switched on during the fasted phase, which we never get exposed to really in our, our modern lives. Yeah. Is that called autophagy, cell autophagy? Yeah. yeah, so autophagy is the recycling of of damaged proteins. That's a gold star. You're really pleased there. <laughs> See, he's been listening to me, Nicole. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, yeah. I, I actually haven't come back from holiday. I haven't done it, but I was intermittent fasting. I I definitely lost a bit of weight, but I I, I felt better, even though I was kind of I was I was starving. I was I was like hungry, but I was like, no, I, I can wait. I can wait till about midday. I, I did feel better. Being yeah. it sounds weird, being slightly hungry but not starving. I kind of felt good. Yeah, I, f- I found it. I, I I sort of fast almost every day. I mean, I, I do like a 16-8 most days, and then every mm. few weeks I'll do a 24-hour just with liquids. Obviously, I still drink water. But um, you feel I feel so much more mental acuity, yeah. and, and you're just on, you're sharp. And I guess that comes mm. down to, well, <laughs> when you're starving, you, you, want, you need all your concentration levels to be able to go and hunt whatever animal that you're after or run after whatever's chasing after you or you know, find that berry or whatever it is. So it seems to make sense, as you said, it's sort of linked to sort of survival yes. uh, mechanisms when we didn't have modern exactly. and fridges. Or Cocoa Pops. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And actually, you know, fasting um, actually switches on is a natural way to switch on NAD production. So it, when people are fasting, what you see is that that NAD production enzyme um, gets turned up um, more NAD gets produced because that makes the body produce more energy to survive the fasted state, but also switch on these cellular repair pathways to make sure the cells being conservative and not wasteful while there's no nutrients available. Yeah. Mm. So looking maybe into the distant future or maybe even now, I don't know what, what tools we have available apart from Nuchido, but what what can people or, or, or clinics put into their... Um, menu to sort of offer people i'm not still not fully clear on what an aesthetic clinic or even just a person on the street would do to sort of improve their their biological age i mean yes we can take a supplement and we can sort of think about our diet but is there anything else that they can sort of take or is it just modifying our, our lifestyle I think it's it's a mixture of both at the minute. I think what what we don't have right now is that translation of the science into products that which is exactly why we do what we do at Nichido because we're trying to accelerate that gap um of getting that science out into products because at the end of the day the science is really new. Um so it it's trying to 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 bring it out. Obviously there's things like NAD at, at the moment and boosting NAD with supplements like the one we have. But I think in the future, there will be a lot more things available 
that are actually designed to fix the the different hallmarks of aging. So one area that is really exciting is something called senescence. Um, And um, this is another hallmark of aging. And it's basically as we get older, some of our cells get damaged and rather than being removed, the body just puts them to sleep. Um, and for a long time, it was thought that that was fine. Um, but actually, what we now know is that these senescent cells or sometimes zombie cells, you'll you'll hear them being referred to as, they actually cause a lot of issues. So they actually secrete a lot of inflammation that almost acts like a, you know, a rotten apple in a fruit bowl. When one's gone bad, the rest go bad around it and it, it kind of multiplies the effect. Um, And we see a huge problem in a lot of different tissues with these senescent cells, um, especially skin, um, because a lot of the inflammatory factors that these these cells release actually degrade collagen and elastin um, and and, and really uh, affect skin health. But actually, there's a lot of research and design in ways to remove these cells um, and to to actually get rid of them. And some of the the preliminary data on these showing what happens when they remove these cells is is like crazy age reversal. Um, you know, like literally, you cannot tell the difference between the 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 old and the young cells or mammals or whatever anymore. So I think this area is potentially something that will be developed in the near future into more like a treatment. Um, I'm not sure exactly what that will be, but you know, whether that's an injectable or it's some sort of facial or something that is designed to really get rid of and eliminate some of these cells that you may have like on a, a, you know, quarterly basis or something like that. So I think they're the types of things that we're going to start see appearing um, but at, at the moment, NAD is probably the, the most promising way to start getting patients to be able to, you know, to get this idea of cellular health um, and, you know, combining more of a wellness element. Um, I mean, I imagine, you know, from speaking to other aesthetic practitioners, what I tend to hear as feedback is, you know, people will say, you know, when people are coming in for Botox or fillers or whatever, they're also saying, oh, do you know what? I feel tired and I feel this and you know that they talk about their general health and because you are doctors um, and people sort of say well you know we don't we can't really help them there and so you know this is a way that actually there, there may be something to say well have you thought of you know trying to boost your cellular health this is something that you can be taking in between visits and you know to help with energy to help with you know you know all around general health we know that NAD declines in every single person. So, you know, if there's one supplement or one thing you want to be taking, it would be NAD as opposed to even multivitamins, which, you know, many people take blindly, not knowing what they're deficient in, um, you know, but everybody is deficient in NAD as they get older. I was going to ask, actually, do you take any other vitamins yourself apart from Nuchino? Yeah, so I take multiple <laughs> different things. Um Everything that I take is based on my own genetics. So I've done loads of different genetic testing and nutrient testing and things to look at, you know, what I generally don't absorb and what I'm more deficient in. So what I take is kind of is designed for me. Um, it's a number one question I get asked, but yeah. I'm like everyone's individual. So they kind of need to, you know, work out exactly what, what they need to be taking. I also take quite a lot of experimental things you know different supplements and things that have been coming out 
um, and, and trying them, things like spermidine, which you may have come across, which is a activates autophagy. And that's a, another exciting supplement within this space. Where does spermidine come from? I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> it, it comes from worm sperm. Oh, there you go. Worm oh, sperm, oh, whale yeah. sperm. It's losing the name. All right. <laughs> so it's like highlights. It's another correlation with injectables. That's where it was initially isolated. This one. Uh, okay. And what's and that so that activates autophagy. Yeah, it's a polyamine. It was originally found in actual sperm, but it's extracted from various other more pleasant um, <laughs> um sources these days. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Um yeah, what you're saying about vitamins is is funny because it's it's like patients who say, Oh, what skincare do you use? Because your skin, you know, looks nice. And I'm like, oh, Water. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't mean what works for me works for you. And, yeah. and so I guess it's the same thing. Where do you do blood tests? Because you've done blood tests yeah. before, but I mean, uh, I it, it, it can get very expensive. Um, I, I'm a little bit cynical, or maybe because I don't know enough about it, but I often wonder like, what is genuine and what is, is not. So where, where would you get your blood test done? So for general, just blood tests, I use, a, there's a company in the UK, I don't know if they're in Australia, they're called Thriver, where you do a finger prick blood test and you, you send your samples away and it does like all the re, all the usual stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously in, in the UK, we have the NHS where you can, you know, you're supposed to be able to go and get, get blood tests. Hmm. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't go and get a blood test until they're sick. And yeah. then your levels are compared to average. So yeah. I'm a big fan of, um, of, of knowing what your blood levels are of things when you are um, healthy, therefore you've got your own comparison. Um, but yeah. Cool. Where, where did you get yours done? Oh, I get mine done at um, Douglas Henny Moya. So I just got, there's, a, there's actually a company now where you can actually order your own blood test. You don't need to go through a doctor. It's called, I, I think they're called iMedical. Okay. And, they're called, and you can, you can run whatever test you want, basically. And the results come straight to you. So I just that go sounds to, like what I use. Yeah, it yeah. costs a bit of money. You're right. They're, they're not they're not inexpensive. They're depending on what tests you're getting run. I mean, I get I get sort of hormones done every sort of three you know three to six months and some other markers. I'm under the care of an integrative GP. So, um, you know, I'm not sort of trying to interpret these things on my own. Yeah. But, um, I think it is worth looking at. I think that there there is some changing thought process. I think as doctors, um, analyzing this sort of work, you're looking at sort of a range and sort of like, okay, well, you're in the healthy range. Well, okay, great. But like, yeah. does that mean I'm optimized? Am I, you know, it, it's sort of, it feels very generic. It's not really tailored to you and it's not looking to optimize. It's sort of, it's just like, oh, we'll do something when something's wrong. Well, how about we try and make something that's okay better? And that's the way I, I, I sort of look at it with my health is let's be proactive about it because I think medicine is generally um, practiced reactively. You're not, you're not actually going, no one goes to the doctor when they're well, they're going when they're sick, yeah. which seems mm -hmm. crazy when you think about it. I mean, you service your car, <laughs> you take your pet, your pets to the vet every so often to get, you know, look at them proactively, but we don't do that with our own health. It's, yeah. it's kind of crazy. 100%. Yeah. And you know, you hit on an interesting thing there about monitoring hormones. Yeah. So we know in women, especially hormones have such a major impact on, on biological age. Um, so studies have shown that during the transition from perimenopause to menopause, um, that shift in hormones can increase a woman's biological age by nine years in just six months. Yeah, and 
obviously we know hormones has such an impact on on skin health and skin quality as well. Um, so, you know, looking at ways uh, of optimizing hormones um, alongside other treatments can have, have such a, a major benefit. Yeah, it's such an important question, you know, for my patients, if they're in their mid 40s or sometimes even early 40s and, you know, people often voice to you, oh, everything's changing, everything's getting saggy and, and my my face has changed. And then you ask them about their periods and all that kind mm. of stuff. And it, it it always correlates or nearly always correlates. And, you know, of course, again, we can work on the outside, but, you know, I do often suggest that they go and speak to a doctor because of course, some people they have a contraindication to hormone replacement mm-hmm. therapy, and there are some cancers that contraindicate that. But nevertheless, it's it's really important. And and if you can take these things safely, then it's something to definitely look at. And the people that you know have had a period without HRT and with HRT, they'll tell you it's like night and day. Mm-hmm. Um, not only in how they look, but how they feel as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that was a very fascinating chat, Nicola. Thank you so much for taking the time and telling us all about the exciting world of anti-aging. It sounds like we've we've got some promising stuff already with the supplements that you and your company have, have put out. So well done and congratulations. And he'll be hearing from me very soon, like within minutes of this podcast, <laughs> to order some products for myself. But we'd love to have you back at some point. I, I am very uh, interested in hearing about how you started your company because that's no small feat. So that'd be interesting in itself. And just to stay in regular contact because it sounds like this is an area that is going to be changing and evolving at a rapid rate and we'd love to stay on top of it. So thank you so much for your time and putting up with all of our bad jokes and stupid questions. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, thank you. That was that was great. It's great to chat with you guys. Thank you, Nicola. And um, yeah, we, we will have you back. Uh, I, David's the expert on this kind of stuff, but I, I guess as things evolve as... Maybe you have a new um, product in the future as as you know as we learn more. We will yeah. sort of get you back and, and talk well, about that. Well, we're interested to see how many sort of people you get knocking on your door after this comes out because we, we do get quite a few people listening around the world. So um, let us know how that goes. And I think that anyone that's out there that does provide anti-aging treatments, I mean, this seems like an area that you probably should educate yourself on that this is the way the world's going. And if there's an opportunity to provide a supplement to your product, to your patients that's affordable and that easy, has, right? easy, that has the clinical data to back it up, then... I would encourage you to potentially look at offering it because it seems like a no-brainer to me. And disclaimer, this is not a sponsored We're podcast. We're not getting paid this for this. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you again, Nicola. Um, we shall speak soon. Excellent. Thank you, guys. Take care. See you later. Bye-bye. For our latest news, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. If you want to get in touch with myself or David, follow us on Instagram as well at Dr. Jake Sloan and David underscore Inside Aesthetics. Join our IA Patreon platform for invaluable business and injectable education. Get access to our global community of like-minded professionals, live and interactive Zoom sessions, hints and tip videos, webinars, and more. Head over to www.insideaesthetics.com forward slash Patreon for more information.